My name is Ray Park, you may know me as playing Darth Maul the Phantom Menace, Bone Wars, and also Solo at Star Wars Story. You're listening to Star Wars Stuff Podcast, the force is strong with you all. And remember, sit walk. Hey, this is Dominic Pace, who plays Gecko the Bounty Hunter from The Mandalorian, letting you all know you are listening to the Star Wars Stuff Podcast. Wishing everybody all the best, and may the force be with you. May the force be with you! Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Star Wars Stuff Podcast. My name is David. And I'm Retro Ray from Star Wars Up Podcast, of course, and Countdown City Geekcast. And my name's Zach. Hey, Zach, how's it going? It's going good, David. Thanks for having me on. Who are you? I've never seen so, you before. <laughs> yeah, I just found the random link and uh, sniped your stream here. Um, no, I, I just am a fellow Star Wars fan who has a love and passion for, for this type of fandom. And uh, I'm happy to be here and just talk Star Wars with you guys. So yeah, I just want to formally introduce everyone that listens to us, watches us. Uh, this is Zach, and uh, he is the first ever person to join the podcast that uh, was, or actually still is, a patron member. And we had a very, very lengthy interview process with him over months and months. <laughs> Not so much, but we've been talking for a little while. And uh, yeah, we decided to make it official because uh, he uh, kind of wowed us and uh, impressed us with his uh, professionalism and all of his knowledge. So uh, we're going to give him a shot here and uh, see what he's got. Absolutely. Well, I appreciate you guys taking the chance on me. Yeah, for sure. So before we get started, of course, we do want to recognize uh, Zach and all of our awesome patrons. On the purple tier, we have Hayden Hauser. He's a new person. Uh, Darth Ace One, Liam McCallion, Texas Vader 76, Chris Simpson, Kevin Leininger, Devin McCaffrey, Drew Peters, and Zach Netzel. Uh, on the red tier, we have Finrear 526, Maya Morris. On the black tier, we have Maka, Taltala, Nathan Shank, and Evan Opaker. Thank you so much for supporting the podcast. And of course, it is no longer Tano Tuesday. I guess it is what Thrawn Tuesday now. Mm. So for now, we're going to talk about Thrawn. We're going to talk about Thrawn for as many issues that Marvel has come out with the comics, and we're going to talk about issue one tonight. We have other stuff to talk about though before we get to the Thrawn comic, and it is going to be a little spoilery, but we don't want to spoil the entire thing. We'll go over some of the panels and talk about kind of the. Um, uh, the the stories and and possibly the hints at future things and there's some names in there I think some of us are familiar with so we'll go over that a little bit later but I think first we want to talk about a few things that uh, Ray and I have been working on mostly Ray really not not myself as much but um, Ray and I actually went to a convention in Colleen Texas and met Jennifer. Beals, who of course played Madame Garza, and here's the official advert for Giganticon that happened, and she was awesome. There was a lot of female fans there. I I wasn't really familiar with her career. She actually, I think the show's called The L Word that she's currently in. So she had a ton of fans, a ton of female fans out there. And they were really kind of freaking out in line. And uh, I think there was one specifically that she was acting like she was going to faint when she walked in. And I was like, wow. And then we had, there's a huge age range of female fans. They were talking to me, Ray Ray stepped out of line. um, And I was waiting in line for her autograph. I got it on the uh, Book of Boba helmet that I have back there. 
but they were asking me a lot of questions about waiting in line at cons because I told them they asked me why was uh, what was I getting signed, and of course they saw me with the helmet and they had questions about Star Wars and I was there to answer them. And I told them I was just in London a few months ago for Star Wars Celebration. And they asked me about how this all works. And I kind of just broke it down that it's, it's a little bit of a waiting process, especially when you get there. We got there, Ray and I, before the convention opened because we, we got media badges from Giganticon. Uh, and I just want to tell them thank you so much for that. So we were able to get in there early. So we were in line, I think maybe fourth person in line because they had VIP badges. So, yeah, I was answering questions. Um, everyone was super excited to, to meet Jennifer Beals. And from my understanding, this was only her second convention that she has ever done. And this was the first convention on American soil. The other one took place in London. But I do believe she's American, right? I mean, I, yeah, she's I, American. There was no detectable accent that that I saw. So yeah, she rolled in and she had the typical layout, all the pictures on on the table. Uh, you could choose whatever you wanted, all the way from Flashdance, of course, uh, to uh, Book of Boba Fett. She had a couple of uh, headshots from that. I of course took my helmet, um, and. Uh, it was it was funny because some of the people, so some of the women in line were like, I don't have any cash. And I said, yeah, that's that's the first tip. If Whenever you get photo ops and autographs done, you definitely want to have cash and just pay cash so you can just get through. Because everyone nowadays has those little connections that connect to, to their tablet or laptop that sometimes don't work. And of course, it went down. So I got to basically jump in line, which wasn't a lot of people. And I got to meet Jennifer Beals right away. And so I presented her with a helmet. And she was really nice. Um, I asked her how many helmets had she signed. And she said, surprisingly, it was the third or fourth one she's ever signed. So that was really interesting to find out, um, given yeah that she's only done one convention before this, essentially. But um, she's really cool. I hope to get Tamir Morrison's autograph on it. I hope to get everyone. I know we inter uh, we interviewed um, Galen Howard on the podcast. I hope to get his autograph. The guy that wore wore the uh, baseball hat, um, and we haven't spoken. We haven't communicated with him in a while. We might have him back on the show. I believe he still lives in the California area. Maybe James can actually talk to him. But yeah, it was it was a great experience. Um, I believe she was really the only Star Wars presence at Giganticon. Is that correct, Ray? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, everyone else was like, they had Power Rangers. They had the first Captain America. Of course, the X-Men. They had Jean Grey. They had Wolverine. Um, Bumblebee was there. The voice of Bumblebee. Voice of Grimlock. I mean, it was a pretty awesome show. But yeah, those are the those are the she was kind of, and oh no, her co-star for Flashdance was there as well. Okay, yeah. So what once once I got that autograph, I was like, okay, I'm set. Um, and of course, every time that Ray and I go to these conventions, we do want to get these people on the podcast for sure. But of course, due to the actors and now over writer strike uh, that's been resolved. Um, 
it's I don't think it's really proper to do that quite yet. Um, but it feels like all the actors are kind of doing more things now. I'm not sure about podcast wise, but it, it feels like they're kind of opening up a little bit more. Um, so yeah, de- we definitely want to talk to to uh, Jennifer Beals, um, and we asked her point blank, "Would you come on the podcast?" Her representation was there. Ray already knew them, so he's he's he had their information already. But she said, "Yeah, sure, but uh, I can only really talk about my experience on Book of Boba Fett." And we said, "Perfect. That's that's what we want to hear about." And uh, I don't think she's really done any any podcasts or interviews that were extensive on the Book of Boba Fett and her experiences, Madame Garza. So hopefully we get her on here in the near near future. When that right when that actor strike ends, definitely we're gonna have probably a deluge of interview <laughs> stuff. So yeah, and YouTube right now, Parker Middleton says, "Hey guys, longtime listener, first uh, first time live listener. Love you guys. Thank you so much, Parker." Um, so yeah, so there's no more Ahsoka. Ahsoka's done uh, for season one. Hopefully there's a season two. Um, and of course, there's a Filoni movie we have uh, to look forward to. There's a lot of talk, I think, on the internet right now of a potential season two happening for Ahsoka. Zach, what have you read anything on the internet? What, what do you feel right now for an Ahsoka season two? Um, I guess I want to say that uh, Disney was testing the waters with Dave Filoni a little bit because, I mean... The Mandalorian uh, was his opportunity to be in the limelight with his Ahsoka episode in season two. And I think they felt comfortable enough giving him creative control over his own show. Um, And I think given that it's had success from what I've seen, and I'm sure from what you guys have seen so far, I think that we'll see a season two of the show. Um, I believe that was a little bit of the chatter uh, around Lucasfilm before the strikes went on. Um, And I believe that since the show has aired, in its entirety for the season so far. Um, I believe that we will see a season two of the show. So where do you rank Ahsoka and all the Disney plus live action shows? Man, I'm biased. I mean, I'm a clone wars kid. And if I get as much clone wars content in a live action series as I can, I'm going to put it number one. So right now it's currently my number one. Um, are we doing this by season by show? Like, uh, uh we could do it by this graphic right here. Okay. So you have the Mandalorian, I would probably, Boba Fett, Obi-Wan Kenobi, and or Ahsoka. I, I would probably have Ahsoka be number one. Um, Mandalorian, I would have number two in its entirety. Um, then Obi-Wan, I would have three. And Andor and Book of Boba Fett, I would have be tied for last. But I love all of them so much. I don't want it to seem like I didn't have appreciation for any of these shows. I'm, I'm very biased when it comes to Star Wars content in general. Yeah. Some is better than others, that is for sure. But I definitely love all of it. Um, but those, I guess, that's my rank of enjoyment. Um, yeah, that yeah. I've gotten out of out of all of those so far. I kind of agree with you. It's like saying which kid you love the most. You know, right? I mean, it's, <laughs> it's a little tough, but uh, I, for me personally, I think I, I like the Mandalorian more. It was more up my alley. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Ahsoka was great. I think Andor, for what it is, it's great as well. It's it's very gritty. It feels like it's outside of the normal tone, which I think it is of, yeah. of a traditional Star Wars film slash TV show, or the, or just the overall general feel. Uh, but it's it's great. The writing's great. Dialogue, it's fantastic. Um, but yeah, I, I want to say Mandalorian, 
and or Ahsoka. You can maybe interchange Andor and Ahsoka. But lots of people online are just like, no, Andor is like the greatest thing ever. Yeah. But to me, it was just that there was something. I don't know. I don't know if if, if it was too gritty or what for me for Andor, but it. Uh, <laughs> Jared here on YouTube says uh, Zach is sleeping on Andor. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Jared. Jared's a buddy of mine, so I, I know exactly where he's coming from. <laughs> yeah, I, I figured he was. That's why I put it up. So I've gotten this so, spiel before. So yeah, Ray, where do, where do you rank these shows? Well, first, we got to talk about, we did present Jennifer with one of the Star Wars stuff podcast pins as well. Yeah, yeah. Ray came in on the clutch. Uh, he, he gave Jennifer Beals his own pin that I gave him. So yeah, she she got that and yeah, we're we're still kind of in between merch right now. <laughs> we're in between <laughs> swag. So yeah, she got a 2022 Star Wars celebration pin that looks a lot like the Star Wars stuff podcast logo at the top right. Yeah. It was a sacrifice, but it was for the team. It was a sacrifice play. So, yeah. Yeah. But anyway, getting back to what you're asking, um, yeah. I'm kind of in the same boat with Zach. Um Andor you know, it's its unique stand. I would say that's a, a kind of its own standalone hmm. because yeah. it's it's a new world, new introduction, but really not because you've got. We get to see the backstory behind the empire, how they had things made for them. You know what I mean? Just like they had clones doing the dirty work for them. These people that they captured or put in prison. It kind of goes back to the back in, you know, 1970s where they used to use prisoners as labor camp workers, you know, back in mm. the day. So that's kind of what they're doing here. Of course, space with electrical electrical floors and, you know, stuff like that. But it was good because we get to see that. And, you know, we kind of saw a little bit of that in Clone Wars. Um, mm. was, no, no, Rebels, um, where we see... You know, when they're working on the plants on the, was it Lethal? When they were building the speeder kind of looking bikes. Hmm. They weren't prisoners, but they were using local people to build the equipment for the Empire. Yeah, absolutely. And they so, had some people working on the inside to kind of sabotage and that was foiled and, and all that stuff. But yes, absolutely. Yeah. So that's the way, like I said, that's why I feel like that one kind of is a standalone. The rest of the hmm. stuff is kind of paying homage to all the true you know, of course, Star Wars fans who follow everything from now to then. But this is kind of giving us a new world to look at, to see things differently. Because, like, for me, you know, without um, Clone Wars, I would have never really... I really didn't like Trooper, the tro the Clone Troopers at the beginning. But when I watched, you know, Troop 99 and, you know, the Fives, you know, it made me realize, like, it made me like the Clone Troopers. Yeah. And, it, and, it, and it really, that's where I fell in love with the Bad Batch. So yeah. it's kind of one of those things. Is it's giving you more characters, new characters to fall in love with, new storyline. But that's where I stand. I'm kind of right there with that. Nice, nice. So yeah, um, is there a specific TV show that you guys want to see next? It's not already created acolyte skeleton mm. crew is i mean is there a very like character or storyline specific tv show that you guys want to see yeah i would i would love to see something about star killer um <laughs> i don't know if it's too late to include him in the canon at this point 
Um, I know with interviews uh, that, you know, you get from Dave Filoni or Sam Witt where there were whispers or talks about throwing Starkiller in and Rebels or in a book or in a comic or just right. just some way to include them. Because, I mean, they've got the the face and voice of, you know, Starkiller in their back pocket ready to use whenever they can, whenever they want, because Sam Witwer's not going anywhere anytime soon. And um, I think it'd be cool to do some sort of story with Sam Witwer as Starkiller. I don't know how they'd pull it off and where they put it into the timeline, given how they've done Rebels and how they set up. Um, the empire pre original trilogy. Uh, but that is definitely, if I could handpick, I mean, that's, that's a dream. That's something that I would love to see uh, come to light for sure. Nice. Ray. Um, kind of a little bit of, I mean, there's so much you can go with it because I would like to see a series of Thrawn because, you know, if we can get that, I mean, like we're reading the comics, yeah, Com- the comics are freaking awesome. Just what you're you're reading, the artwork, the way you see John Thrawn portrayed. The novels are great too. So novels, you have to imagine what the writer's writing. You have to picture it in your head. Mm-hmm. Here, you have the pictures drawn for you, so you kind of see that character. But then also, what helps as well. Now, mind you, when we when these books were written, that voice actor for Thrawn was not there yet. So when you read this, you had to imagine who this person was and yeah, you know, they're speaking, but now like me, anytime I read a Batman comic, I hear Kevin Conroy. That is my Batman. So anytime I read Batman, that's who I hear in the background as the talking same thing with Thrawn. Mm -hmm. When I was reading this comic, that's who I was listening. That's who I had in my head that I was looking at when I was reading the comic was hearing his voice, a younger version of him. Mm -hmm. And it, it, the comic, like I said, me reading, the, I had not read the comics at that time period. Mind you, at that time frame when these came out, I was working in the comic industry, but I was kind of behind the scenes and stuff. So I can only, I didn't have much time to read as much as I wanted to. So it was like little picks in here and there, uh, especially since comics come out every week. Yeah. And you've got all these different lines that come out, you know, Superman, Spider-Man, Transformers. I mean... They have Buffy. They have, I mean, there's so many. If you love to read comics, there's so much you can read from. But I didn't get a chance to read this particular line. But me reading it currently, it just made me see Thrawn in a different light Hmm. tying to the series. Yeah, absolutely. What about you, David? I'm always saying I want to see a continuation of the Obi-Wan show but have vader also co-star they don't have to meet but you can show the parallel series of events that's taking place in a linear fashion and you could you could bring back natalie portman you could yeah. bring back liam neeson and of mm. course they're not alive but you could still be creative and show them in like flashbacks or yeah. dream or nightmare sequences so there's, I think there's a lot they can do with that. And I think there's been reports out there that Ewan McGregor has asked Lucasfilm to do something of that nature. So, and mm-hmm. and you have Hayden. Hayden's not too old. I mean, he can still come back as Anakin and, and reprise his role. We've, we've seen the proof in Ahsoka. So yeah, it's, it's all there. And yeah, I'm, I'm an orig- original trilogy fan. That's what I grew up with with Star Wars. That's what yeah. I love. And to see Vader and Ewan, Ewan as Obi Wan is just 
perfect, perfect casting. All of Ahsoka was perfect casting. If they do maybe decide to go back and do the backstory for Shin, for Balin, we all know that Ray Stevenson has, has passed away, so he hmm. can't possibly be back. But, I mean, I wouldn't have any issues with recasting him and, and maybe doing a series, maybe from his point of view, becoming the general so you could see younger Balin so the issue of recasting wouldn't be such an issue and you can actually see a younger actor kind of become the Jedi, then become the Jedi general during the Clone Wars and see his rise and kind of see his his change of stance uh, with the Jedi Order and him maybe learning about the Mortis gods and maybe start the series off with him listening to the fairy tales that were told to the to the younglings uh, on Coruscant, and that that would be really cool, and and have that in live action. That that whole kind of visual aspect that that would give us, and and maybe tie it to Pridia as well. You can come back around. That's the 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 beautiful thing that Star Wars does is they show us something, and then years later they can come back and decades earlier show us something new that connects with the overall storyline. Yeah, absolutely. So, I, yeah. I see this uh, comment here from Jacob. Um, a what if series would be pretty interesting. Um, I guess with a what if series, you could kind of, you know, you take all of our ideas and toss them into one show and <laughs> you can, and you know, in theory you could, anything you bring uh, to the paper um, yeah. you could, you could put out on a screen. It'd be animated in theory. If you're going off of the Marvel, what if series, um, but I know we all have some sort of Star Wars story in our head that we wish went a different way just because of specific love for specific characters. But that's what are your top two, Zach? My top two what ifs? Yeah. My number one what if would be Anakin defeating Obi-Wan on Mustafar. Um, and I know we get a little bit of that in the PlayStation 2 alternate ending for the game. Yeah. And he <laughs> he stabs Obi-Wan. He walks back up to uh, the landing platform where Palpatine greets him with a red lightsaber. And he just tosses it into his other hand and he stabs him right through the gut. And he's pretty much like the galaxy was mine. I don't know if that's how I'd want it to go. But um, the fact that they actually looked into that would be really cool. And I would also want to see a what if Ahsoka never left the Jedi temple during the Clone Wars. Mm. Um, I think that would have um, changed a lot of Anakin's arc going into Revenge of the Sith and how he would have handled um, learning about Palpatine uh, being the Sith Lord. And uh, who knows, maybe Ahsoka would have been right with him to go rescue the Chancellor and Obi-Wan could have potentially gone off to fight Maul. I don't know. There's a whole whole rabbit trail there that I could go down, but those are my top two. Absolutely. <laughs> so yeah, James just chimed in exactly what I just thought. So yeah. What if Ahsoka is in the movie revenge of the <laughs> <laughs> that would be awesome to see. Absolutely. Yeah. I think one of my top what ifs is if Qui-Gon never died, if Qui-Gon defeated mm. Darth Maul, and stayed and we've all seen Filoni talk about in, in the gallery show that Qui-Gon was Anakin's father figure and was going to guide and mentor him and then yeah. once he died he lost that father figure and Obi-Wan was more of a brother and really couldn't mentor him in the way that he could have Anakin's storyline be mm. on the light side so that would change things drastically definitely my second one 
is essentially it, it's pretty basic. I, I mean, what if Anakin never just turned to the dark side? What if what if Padme lived? What if the twins mm. were born and he had Luke and Leia and they were yeah their kids and they grew up on on Naboo together? It's it's what I mean. I guess the story would be a whole lot more boring, or maybe there would be another. I don't know entity that would come in and kind of take the place and and fill that void. Maybe yeah. I guess Dooku lives. I mean, and and it's like Darth Tyrannus and Darth Sidious versus the Empire, and then hmm. we head off on that journey. But yeah, other than that, I mean, I, I, to to me, seeing Hayden Christensen with Natalie Portman with the twins and some type of like dream sequence, I think. I think the fans would love that. I think that's something that could be easily realized. But the actors are getting old, so we gotta yeah. we gotta act quick, and and that's the crux of it all. So Ray, Luckily they the, move like they're younger. Sorry to cut you off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For <laughs> sure. So Ray, what what are your top two what ifs? Well, I kind of so the the comics they have like the Vader lost missions. I would like to see that because, okay, so when you watch Clone Wars and you watched, you know, in the Clone Wars, you see episodes where it's just Ahsoka on missions by herself, but yet Anakin and Obi-Wan are on separate missions that we don't know about. They just talk about, but we don't see them in the movies. I would love to see a series where, you know, you have Ahsoka, I mean Ahsoka Anakin and Obi-Wan's lost missions and them doing what they were doing. Uh, like an eight episode thing where we get to see those type of, you know, stories. Um, but then also including the troopers, kind of like what uh, Richard said here, a Navy steel, a Navy SEAL style show with the Republic uh, commandos. You know what I mean? Kind of a combination of the two. I would like something like that for a what if. Um, just not when it, you know, not even what if, because it would be standalone, still be canon. Yeah. Um, it's kind of, you know, yeah, that's one thing I would like to see is what if Qui-Gon survived? He didn't die. You know what I mean? Would he have actually trained Anakin differently than Obi-Wan? You know, what could have been the outcome if he had survived? Hmm. And he did strike the way um, Obi-Wan strike, strike down, strikes down uh, Darth Maul instead of following following that same move that, you know, Qui-Gon died with, and if he would have done the move that Obi-Wan did in, you know, uh, Rebels, you know what I mean? And he would have killed uh, Darth Maul. So there's there's so much that, you know, you're just, at, you're just opening a can of worms, man. Yeah. There's, there's yeah. so many. <laughs> yeah, there, there are a lot of instances where, like the legacy of nerd says right here, I would like to see what if Luke missed in a new hope. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, yeah, Yavin four would be a uh, dust. I think that's that's one thing that would happen. Leia would die. General Dodonna would be dead. Three PO would be gone. Uh, yeah, a lot of people would have died. Yeah, uh, a lot of our favorite characters. <laughs> that's what, <laughs> what would have happened. Um. So, yeah, we also have a comment here by uh, Albert M. Padilla here. Uh, you guys might know him. Hey, guys, drive by here but loved the Infinite series of comics and was about as close as we got with What If for Star Wars. Any of you read the series? Did not, but we're probably going to pick up and add it to our stuff to read. Yeah, I haven't read it myself, but yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 
Yeah. And yeah, and speaking of comics, uh, so Ray reached out to our local comic book shop in San Antonio, Texas. And I ha- it's actually the place where I met Dominic Pace for the first time at a 501st troop. It is a place called Dragon's Lair Comics and Fantasy. Uh, it's a physical comic book shop in San Antonio, Texas. I believe they have more than one location, right, Ray? Yeah, but they're franchised. Those are actual franchise owned. The one that we're working with is uh, off the Alamo Ranch Calibra in San Antonio. Right. And right, Rose okay. is great. I mean, she's, you know, going to work with us, help us, you know, get the Star Wars comics so we can read and review. I would actually, I'll be going on Wednesdays and going on and, you know, seeing what's on the shelf, doing some, you know, TikToks and videos for the, for the fans. So they can see what's coming out, like variant covers for Star Wars. I'm also going to be doing it for Countdown as well reviewing certain story arcs like transformers depending you know what the series are so it's going to be fun we're going to have a lot of stuff like i said you know we're probably going to pick up that series that we haven't read because a lot of graphic novels are coming out so Hmm. support your local comic book shops go and pick up some graphic novels they can pre-order them for you and you can jump on with us and start reading and you know you see what we're talking about yeah absolutely yeah, Rose is awesome. I, I met her when I met Dominic Pace, and uh, yeah, she's terrific. If you want to go by, swing by, tell her the Star Stuff podcast sent you over there in Alamo Ranch in Calabria in San Antonio. Do that. Uh, tell them uh, you heard us uh, on the podcast talk about their store. And also, uh, we met someone, we met a couple people at Alamo Con in Shirts, Texas, uh, just by, I don't know, happenstance um and uh ray had actually reached out to them before and it just so happened that they are the owners of a pizza chain um uh, essentially a mom pop pizza chain in san antonio they have six locations i think one in new braunfels and the rest are in san antonio and shirts um and they're called uh, matanga's pizzeria and uh, the name is actually the names of the two owners, Matt and Anga, and they just combined it to call uh, to call it Matanga. So they were in front of us uh, meeting Chris Bartlett at the uh, Shirts uh, AlamoCon, and they they told Leilani Shu, who was in the table uh, next to Chris, is that they were looking for Ray, and Ray was standing right next to them. It's a weird story, man. But yeah, Ray was standing right next to him, and then they they spoke with each other. And then I was with Chris Bartlett. I was getting his autograph on the helmet right there. And um, once I was done talking with Chris, I went over to them, and then they said, "Yeah, we're we're the owner of Batangas," and they said, "We're we're huge Star Wars fans." And we're like, "Okay, how big a Star Wars fan are you?" And they said, "We're really big." So to actually get employed at their store the employees all have to take and pass a star Wars quiz to get employed. <laughs> That's how, how much, how, how big of star Wars fans they actually are. And, um, we're hoping to collaborate with them in the future. And, uh, like I just said, they have six locations all in San Antonio and in New Braunfels. And they actually, uh, they, they gave us dinner. Uh, it was on them. And we tried uh, a, a couple of different pizzas, and 
I got to say, if you go in and if you like, this is weird to say, but if you're a fan of like Big Macs uh, and uh, like In-N-Out, they have a pizza that basically it's like you're eating a Big Mac. It is weird, um, but it's good, though. It's really good. Uh, yeah. It's called what was it called? The Big Mat for, for Matanga. Yeah. So that's really good. Also, the brisket pizza was really good, too. So we we told we met with Matt and we told him, yeah, we'd, we'd love to do something, maybe do a live podcast in one of their stores. And they've had podcasters going before and in in and stream live. So and they have a little setup in the shirt store. So definitely check them out. Really nice people. Um, yeah. Tons of stores everywhere in our area. So definitely check them out. Dude, the pizza, I'm telling you right now, I am a person for pizza. Um, I'm, okay, so you know how Papa John's has got their the bread crust at the end of the pizza. Some people don't eat it because it's too bready. This bread at the end of the pizza is so good. I actually, at well, here at home, um, <laughs> I did a little thing. So you know the avocado ranch dressing from... Um, Chick-fil-A? Uh, yes. So I dipped it in that in that. Oh dude, it was so good. Just the bread. That's after eating all the pizza and I had the bread left over. I dipped it in that. It was so good. Um and of course there's a pizza that they're supposed to be working on too. The what was it called? The chick or something chick? Uh the side chick. Yeah. Is yeah, because called. as we all know, yeah, Chick-fil-A is closed on Sundays. Yeah. <laughs> So they're working on a pizza for that. Uh, yeah. I'm, that's one I'm looking forward to going to try. Yeah, yeah. They, I mean, it, we also met, uh, I believe, the manager and his wife. Yeah. So, so there's the owners. It's a husband and wife, and then there's the husband and wife management team at the shirts location. Uh, his name was Daryl Avery, and then his wife's name was Kira, and then we automatically pointed out, yeah, you got a Star Wars name, and uh, <laughs> they were super nice. And Daryl came out and he spoke with us. And he was like, yeah, I'm a big sci-fi fan, too. I knew you were coming. And we're like, what? <laughs> so we spoke with him for a little bit. And um, he, they were talking about how they engineer their food. They engineer their pizzas. They, they definitely find a specific like flavor profile to uh, get a distinct taste. And it's, it's good stuff. They care about their food. They care about their customers. A great customer service. Um, I don't know if it's because we're Star Wars Stuff Podcast, but everyone was like super nice to us. And um, the food was great. So if you're looking for a new pizza place and you're in the South Texas area, uh, check out uh, Matangas. And uh, they got six locations. So Definitely. All right. I think think it's time to talk about uh, Thrawn, guys. What do you think? Yeah, definitely. So Zach was letting us know that this run of Thrawn was... uh, I think it dropped in the 2019 time frame. So I think it was 2018, but very, 2018. I, I believe okay. so. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, it's a little older, but the cool thing is, is you can actually get the first six issues for free. If you were a member of Amazon prime, so you can go right out right now to Comixology and download the app on your phone or just view it through a browser and you can actually read the first four or six issues. I know it, it's, it's a few there. Okay, six. 
So the first six, you can take a look at them, and we're going to kind of gloss over them. It, this will be a little spoilery on the run of Thrawn, uh, just the first episode, but um, definitely check it out. And like Ray said, support your, your local comic book shop if you got one close by. And uh, we definitely um, are going to work with Dragon's Lair and uh, try and cover as many different comics, uh, as many different runs on Star Wars as we possibly can. So um, the cool thing about this comic is when you open it up, if, if you're on digital, if you're, if you're going to read it there, um, you just basically click through the pages and you can zoom into the panels and get a really close, uh, close-up look at the, at the actual dialogue and the artwork. And this is how this uh, comic starts off. You have kind of a title screener page of, of Thrawn. And I don't think this is shown anywhere else but the comics, but I think it's a kind of a cool font there for, for Thrawn. And this, of course, is the, the cover of the comic book. And you can see prominently in the front, you see Grand Moff Tarkin. Uh, you see Thrawn's rank there on his, on his uniform. And you see the uh, classic uh, stormtroopers, and when you open it up, you get to see everyone that worked on it, and we definitely want to recognize those people. And of course, we all know it's based on Timothy Zahn's run, his uh, novels that he created in the '90s, um, the uh, *Heir to the Empire* series. And the writers, uh, there's a writer, artist, color artist, Jody Hauser wrote, Luke Ross illustrated uh the color artist is nolan Wood- woodard uh the letter is vc's clayton cowless cover art is by paul renaud uh, assistant editors tom groman with emily newcomen uh editors uh, heather antos and mark uh, panachia uh, star wars group editors jordan d white and mark panachia editor-in-chief cb sibilowski uh, Chief Creative Officer Joe Casada. That's a name I think a lot of us know. Uh, President Dan Buckley. And for Lucasfilm, a lot of names that we know here. Assistant Editor uh, Nick Martino. Senior Editor Robert Simpson. Executive Editor Jennifer Heddle. Uh, Creative Director Michael Siglane. Uh, Lucasfilm Story Group James Waugh. Leland Chi. And uh, Craig Five's favorite Matt Martin there. And at the beginning of the book, uh, we see a Vanto's log. It kind of gets you in the right headspace. Uh, you see Galactic Empire. You see the mission, study the mysterious settlement and crash site on an unnamed planet in wild space uh, beyond the Outer Rim and the Unknown Regions. So it, it tells us essentially where we're at. Uh, the operatives, we see their pictures right there. Uh, Captain uh, Perrick, or how do you say that, Zach? I think it's Peric, uh, okay. P-A-R-C-K, Peric, I believe. Okay. And he's of the Imperial Navy, uh, Myomar, Imperial Academy cadets. And then the notes, uh, unknown alien protocols when a new species is discovered. It is to be contacted and studied for posterity and its uh, republic procedure. So, and I believe you get this in the front of every book. So... Yeah, like I said, we don't want to spoil the entire thing. We want you guys to go out there and check out the comic. Uh, so we're going to go over a few of the pages and kind of go over the basic kind of storyline. Um, so the first page here does show our our character here, Thrawn, in hiding. And we meet a couple of characters here that 
are on this unknown planet and are looking at some markings. Uh, and it looks like it's not a familiar language uh, or a common language, I should say. But we also see that ship that's stuck in the in the overgrowth there in the vines. And I believe that's an Alpha 3 Nimbus class V-Wing Starfighter, if, if I'm correct there. Um, and we do see, of course, Thrawn's blue arm ripping out that pilot and kind of digging through his stuff there. And I don't know, does that look like he's been there? I guess he's been there a little bit of a while. But he's essentially going through stuff. And yeah, uh, Zach on YouTube says, very cool panel of Thrawn's glowing eyes. Yeah, that's that's really the notable thing about Thrawn is the blue skin and the eyes that, that glow red. And that is what his people look like. And his people, of course, are the Chiss. And the Chiss were made famous by Timothy Zahn's run of, of graphic novels. And we'd all see people cosplay as Chiss and, of course, Thrawn at conventions. Um, but we had never gotten a live-action representation of Thrawn until Ahsoka this year. So we kind of know what they look like now. And Thrawn is out there in the wilderness. Uh, he is... It, it feels like when you when you see a couple of these these panels, he's kind of out there, kind of like the predator in a way. I mean, he's yeah. his character is one that he's super athletic. Uh, he's of course we all know he's super intelligent. He's very tactical. He's very plotting. Um, he's he's patient. Um, all the best characteristics for someone to to be in the empire and to and to strategize really and if you've seen rebels you've seen what what his strategies are and the way he kind of is and then of course when you saw soka you got to see his demeanor and and how he strategized he's trying always trying to be one two three steps ahead so the next panel i think i want to show is so Thrawn actually, of course, we all know he gets involved with the Empire and the comic reveals how that happens. And of course, Thrawn has longer hair. He's a younger man. And I know Zach was telling me this is about two BBY um, in the in the chronological events there. And we see here in this panel, these are clone troopers. So this is this is of course during the time of the prequels. Uh, before the uh, clone troopers changed it over to stormtroopers was what you saw on the on the cover. So this series, this run of Thrawn, does cover a lengthy span of time. So yeah, I think what what issue do you think we get to, or is it the second issue? Because I know there's a big jump in time once he gets acclimated to the Empire. I definitely think there's a jump of time uh, or jump in time of at least a few years between issues one and two. Um, Cause we definitely see some significant changes to his character um, and especially his rankings. Um, and obviously we all call him grand Admiral Thrawn. We know he ends up to be the grand Admiral, but this is definitely um, right. Kind of, you know, his story and how he gets to that point, but um, it's definitely uh, over a few years, I would have to say. Yeah, Zach says on YouTube, very cool panel of Thrawn's glowing eyes. Yeah, I think he's referencing the other panel. But, I mean, on every 
page, his eyes are glowing red. And that's <laughs> a very well. Yeah, that's that's a that's a cool aspect of Thrawn. And of course, we don't know if we're gonna see more Chiss uh characters in Ahsoka or anything live action, but um I think we would all kind of love to see it. So of course Thrawn does make his way onto the base, I believe, in the comic book. And he's putting on he's putting on the helmet here. So he's doing the classic uh Luke and Han from A New Hope <laughs> uh strategy here to get on. And of course, if you look at other panels here, this is where I, I believe that he intercepts the communication uh from from the clone troopers. And I think we kind of went out of order there, but He's actually listening and he's plotting and we get to see his moves and he's he's very stealth about it and he essentially blows up uh, the base there. And I believe these are the two the two it's uh, the first two pages of the comic book right here. And you basically see his I mean he's ruthless. Yeah. And he's like that from the very beginning. And it's kind of tough to to know what uh, the reader is actually uh, what what knowledge they have. And after watching Ahsoka, I think we're kind of assuming you've seen that. But to see Thrawn here in his origin story as a young man and as acting alone, and we learn later on that he has been exiled. And if you look at a later screenshot, this is the continuation of him putting on the clone trooper armor and then getting caught. And he essentially kind of maneuvers his way in. And this is the first panel where we actually get Thrawn's full name. And Yeah, I, that, I had trouble pronouncing the name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a long one, so... I was telling Zach earlier, if you just kind of break it down, break it up. Um, I think it's pronounced Myth Ra Nuru Odo. It's like, say that five times fast. <laughs> but, but apparently, yeah, all the Chiss, or I know Thrawn siblings have names that are this lengthy and this uncommon. So we get we get the introduction of his name. And of course, he's, he's wearing uh, basically... Uh, the clothes he was we what well, we learned that he was exiled in from from his people and we meet the two characters that we saw in the vanto's log uh walking up and of course there's vanto and there's uh parrot there and so they they continue with this interrogation and we do see leading up to the relationship that Vanto and Thrawn actually build here. So it looks like they're, I don't know, not really cellmates, but like, I think Thrawn in this, in this instance, he's like in a cell, but you see Vanto essentially interrogating Thrawn, but Vanto is, doesn't really let that to be uh, let on that that's the case, but Thrawn picks up on that. And, I don't know if it's through like intuition or what, uh, but it seems like Thrawn has a little bit more knowledge than, or is he just that smart about the Empire and their tactics? What do you guys think? 
Well, as of right now, reading the comic that we're reading, of course, we're not counting the novels. You know, one, we don't know why he was exiled. So there's got to be more behind it. Eventually, I'm pretty sure we're probably going to get to it in the later comics. But um, yeah, there's more to him that I think that we're not aware of right now in the comic. And like you said, he's very smart. He's very intelligent. He likes to analyze his opponents, you know, and he tries to feel them out to see what he can get from them. And that's what I took from when I read this. Right. Yeah. My understanding from the Timothy Zahn trilogy was that I don't think we got an explanation of why he was, maybe we did. I didn't read those books, but I do know the, the broad strokes. Um, but he's all about his people in those books. He's all about the Chiss. Um, and what he was trying to do was maneuver his way in the empire and get a foothold in so his people could essentially take over. And he wanted to be uh, that uh, vacuum filler, so to speak, for, for Palpatine dying, for Vader being gone. And you learn all about that in the Timothy Zahn novels but of course they're not live action canon so that's the thing we have to keep in mind so disney lucasfilm canon uh, as of right now is pulling stuff from uh, the timothy zahn work so but there are familiar names the chiss of course and thrawn uh the name i believe is the same the the chiss name so uh, moving on, we do see the first encounter of of Thrawn with Palpatine. And Zach, did you want to talk to this a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I guess first, it's we we notice it's on Coruscant, um, and it's labeled the Imperial Palace, which we knew this to be the former Jedi Temple um, that we all saw in the prequels. And I like how in that main panel um, towards the top there, we could see how that looked a lot like, or looks a lot like what the the second Death Star uh, insides would come to look like uh, that we see in Return of the Jedi, where um, eventually Palpatine's sitting in his chair watching uh, over the Battle of Endor, and we see uh, uh, Luke and Vader fight uh, in a room that looks very similar to that in terms of design, which I appreciated that right off the bat. Um, And I thought it was interesting how uh, Palpatine wanted an audience with Thrawn. I mean, how many prisoners or people that they captured do you think he wants to talk to you know what i mean i don't think there's a ton of people that end up actually going to talk to palpatine directly um as the emperor especially if they're a prisoner so that that speaks uh to me a lot that there's more to thrawn than you know uh a lot of people are realizing yeah yeah and to, to me he's he's already playing like the 40 chess and it just yeah. occurred to me that Chiss and Chess sound a lot alike. <laughs> and there, if you look at the panel there, you can see like the deep chasm with uh, no handrails again. And yeah. Uh, <laughs> what, yeah, what Zach pointed out, yeah, you do recognize from the old Death Star those uh, cylindrical tubes that come up with the with the with those like light those orange light panels that come up. Yeah. And of course, he has his uh, his. Uh, um, Crimson Imperial Guard there and similar throne. But yeah, uh Thrawn, yeah, does get an audience and he makes his way up to uh uh the um uh, the palace there. 
the uh, converted uh, Jedi Temple. Um, and of course, I think uh, we've spoken about it on the podcast a few times that there was actually uh, a Sith Temple below the Jedi Temple. Yeah. And where did we learn about that, Zach? Um, I know that there were some, uh, I guess this was kind of, I believe this was alluded to in some novelizations of some of the prequel movies. And it was kind of how Palpatine was able to mask his identity, um, being around so many force sensitive beings, um, that there was a Sith temple. And I know that there was some sort of arc in the clone wars that got cut when the show was canceled, uh, that had to do with the Sith temple below the Jedi temple. And, um, I believe it had something to do with Ahsoka getting captured by Palpatine uh, after she walked away from the Order, just to kind of torment Eric or Anakin a little bit, excuse me. And um, I believe we don't know a whole lot about it, but we do know that um, it was there. And um, yeah, I guess that's that's pretty much all I know about it. Yeah, I think we'll run across it again um, in a in a different run, but. I think we'll, yeah. I think the High Republic we may find some stuff out in that maybe. Mm. Yeah, so this is actually a popular panel that you can see online. Um, so Thrawn does reference uh, Palpatine's uh, old apprentice, uh, and Thrawn alludes to the fact that yeah, they they did run into each other. I know. Uh, I know Thrawn and Anakin had some type of of connection before Anakin turned to Vader, and then Vader and Thrawn went on a mission, I believe, to Batu. Um, so, it's I think some people think at this point Thrawn figures out that Anakin is Vader, but I'm not quite sure if it's this exact moment or if we're not reading into it enough. But Palpatine, of course, we all know that Anakin is Vader and Palpatine knows and he kind of sidesteps revealing that information because of course once in in the novels and in other media once someone knows Vader's identity Vader essentially executes them yeah so it's it's that fact um uh, I mean I don't think Palpatine really cares if if people die but I mean of course I I I think it's best that that secret is is really kept um, just for strategy reasons, really. Um, but yeah, you see you see a panel there that when they reference Anakin, that he's he's burning to a crisp there on Mustafar, and you see uh, Vanto there, kind of uh, reacting uh, to Palpatine and Thrawn's conversation, and. Vanto's along for the ride. And of course, I think a lot of people have heard that name before. And of course, it's at the beginning of the comic. So he becomes a bigger and bigger character, I believe, throughout this comic book series. Um so quick question, real quick, quick thing, real quick. Yeah. So this is this when I read this, this is what I interpreted. Okay. And this is where the what if we talked about earlier. Yeah. What if one of those lost missions or you know, missions that weren't shown on Clone Wars had a mission that was tied with Anakin and Thrawn together. That's why he knows Anakin. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That's just my theory. That's how I took it when I read this. Yeah. I was like, how does he know Anakin? How much, you know what I mean? Because 
not every like you said not everybody knows so he had to be pretty close to know more than anyone else you know what i mean but that's just me that's me interpreting what i'm reading but that's like yeah yeah i believe there's some mission that they had together where they did run into each other so i think that's somewhat canon um i just don't know what in what media that was uh if you're in chat and you know uh let us know or if someone wants to look it up here yeah but yeah definitely i mean this is what i i mean i was kind of like wow and that's i think what really um intrigued palpatine was thrawn was like he knows who he is but he didn't back down he wasn't you, you he wasn't um you know like if it was someone else who was not thrawn and they would kind of be pleading for their life or something in some way or form but thrawn didn't show no flinching no anything like that from what i was interpreting what i was reading yeah so i thought that was cool yeah he showed no fear whatsoever yeah but yeah thrawn it seems like he's he's a combination of all kinds of different aspects of of characters that that know that whatever situation they're in they can figure their way out of it so yeah that's why palpatine really doesn't scare him in a way and he knows whatever happens next he can figure out a way out of it so so we jump to here on this next uh panel so thrawn is given the rank of lieutenant so if you want to find out how that happens check out the comic of course but (laughs) he has the the plaque there and yeah vanto is is telling him that uh, so uh, this is not so much a gift as a as a weapon, and and Vanto's super negative. He's he's saying a weapon against you, um, because I think if you're familiar with um, army with navy, it might be the same kind of thing. But uh, um, I mean, there's there's people that, of course, I mean, everyone, I guess, has an ego, and uh, when you go through military like that and people see other people progressing faster than the other and of course um thrawn being a chiss he's not a humanoid like everyone else and and most of the empire is humanoids so there's a bit of racism there um with him being uh a chiss and of course him getting that instant promotion to lieutenant uh that that aspect Vanto knew was going to make a lot of people angry. And we see uh, later on here uh, them going out to the commissary there, the cafeteria to go eat. And Vanto is, is kind of talking to him about how there's, there's a group out there after they, they kind of did their thing. They ate uh, there's a couple people out there that want to uh, essentially play uh, play cards. And this card game, it's not Sabacc. It's a different card game out there. So there's multiple card games in Star Wars Galaxy. Um, and of course, Vanto is, is super negative about the whole circumstance and thinks it might be some type of trap. And of course, Vanto really doesn't know Thrawn that well. So Thrawn 
reconciles the fact that, yeah, we, I do want to attend this game. You don't have to if you don't want to. But it's all part of Thrawn's strategy. So he does decide to go attend this game. And moving on to uh, the next panel here. And he says straight up, he says, uh, is this, uh, Vantra says, is this what just do? See a trap and just walk into it. And <laughs> Thrawn being Thrawn says sometimes walking into a trap is the best strategy. And I mean, I do kind of see that. I mean, in everyday life as well. I mean, you, you sometimes you just want to walk into it. And I mean, you know your abilities. Thrawn knows his ability. And he's a master tech tactician. He has a super huge IQ. What do you guys think of that? No, I mean, he, he, that's where I told you he's, and I think that's what the, the Palpatine likes about him is that he does think that way. And he doesn't, it's like, he does not have fear. You know what I mean? But I don't, like I said, that's just my interpretation of him. Yeah. Like, he's not afraid to, to go into situations like this. Yeah, definitely. And for me, I guess when I, when I read that bottom bubble uh, that was on that picture, sometimes walking into traps, the best strategy that makes me think of uh, Anakin and Obi-Wan when they're on the invisible hand and in revenge of the Sith. And they're like, Oh, I sense count Dooku's up there next move, spring the trap. And they, you know, they kind of had a similar strategy and we all knew that Anakin and Obi-Wan were not the most orthodox of Jedi's and they or Jedi and they kind of went against standard protocol um, sometimes by choice, sometimes not. And um, I can definitely see Thrawn. I don't know how to put it into words here. Just kind of playing well with that mentality. Like I could, if let's say Thrawn was an Admiral Yilaren spot in the Clone Wars, I could see Thrawn probably admiring Anakin's uh, maneuvers that he made as a bold and courageous warrior uh, versus being, you know, like a, like a face palm, just like, Oh, what are you doing? Um, I definitely think uh, Ray kind of, like you said, that Thrawn's willing to take risks and um, how he's not scared of walking into whatever's out there. Yeah, for sure. It's, it's definitely measured. And I think he, I think he looks at the Empire and, and everyone that's it's under Palpatine is, is really not a risk to his life. Uh, I think he just can figure uh, figure out how to get out of whatever situation he gets launched into. And here on this panel, you see uh, the two characters that invited them to the card game, uh, Rosita and, and, and uh, I forgot the other person's name. You guys remember? Not the top of my head. No. So, yeah, they're playing the card game, and they reveal that, yeah, they really didn't invite Thrawn, per se, to, to come and play a card game, but to pick his mind on strategy, because they heard rumors about his uh, uh, strategical prowess there. So, they play, they start playing cards anyways, and um, they go into... Uh, the rules of the card game, and it sounds kind of like poker to me. Um, and now you can, uh, the different type of poker hands, like a, a royal flush, a straight, uh, that type of thing. But they, they did call it specific things um, in the comic. And, of course, they, they pick Thrawn's mind about a certain situation with an unbeatable hand in that card game. And Thrawn basically lays it out that uh, 
there's i believe he says there's no such thing as an unbeatable hand and it feels like as a reader you kind of think that you know where he's going with it Hmm. um i thought the the place he was going was that he was gonna say well i mean it's just a game of cards and what if you have a blaster and they don't that type of thing you know um but i he went through like rules of the actual card game and was like trying to break down well okay with the probabilities of your opponent having the same hand even though however small there was still a chance and uh the two characters here uh kind of or actually the guy here he gets kind of fed up with it and he's basically telling them that he's like i i thought you were this great strategist and um you didn't really give me what I was I was looking for as, as far as advice on strategy. And then Thrawn, he pulls out the ultimate card. He pulls out his, his plaque there. Uh, and he shows them that he's a lieutenant. And everyone's like freaking out here. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, Thrawn says, I believe you're about to make a challenge. So Thrawn shows them that he's he's their superior, basically. And an officer walks in and is kind of bumbling and he's like, what is going on here? And he sees Thrawn's uh, rank and immediately changes his tone and leaves. And of course, it it had to, to, to take uh, these two cadets here by surprise. And of course, you'd figure in these next panels that it shows them maybe either contacting someone or them themselves trying to get even. And they essentially jump uh, Eli Vanto and Thrawn on their way uh, back to their quarters. And uh, they actually put up a fight and, and Thrawn um, gets kind of messed up a little bit, but Thrawn says my injuries are minor despite appearances and, and Vanto helps out in the fight. But before this Thrawn does something to Vanto that was like kind of, uh, out of left field, but now, like we said before, if you want to check it out, buy the comic, uh, mm-hmm. check it out there. And Thrawn's all good. Um, and in this panel here, Thrawn says, just do not make idle boasts or promises. Once they set their minds to something, they succeed. And then Vanto says, or die in the attempt. Um, yeah. or, or actually, Thrawn says, or die in the attempt, and Vanto's just uh, kind of mouth open just kind of just blown away by Thrawn's I guess confidence here and it's it is it feels like this is the character that we come to know and all the stories we've heard we've read everything from Timothy's on it it is the future Grand Admiral Thrawn that we get introduced to so that is uh, issue number one of the comic. Um, what did you What did you guys think, Zach? What did you think about the introduction of Thrawn and uh, his uh, ascent to lieutenant? There, yeah. Um, I like how this adds a little bit of mystery to Thrawn because um, I, I mean, if you first were introduced to Thrawn in Rebels, like I was, um, you you definitely always question something of like, oh, where's this person from? How how did he get to this ranking? Blah, blah, blah. And even though we're getting some of this backstory, uh, it still provides a lot of mystery 
um, or opens up a lot of mystery um, in terms of him. Uh, how did he get exiled? How is uh, what's, you know, we need more of his background and just to kind of figure that out. Um, but I, I definitely think it's, it shows early on how strategic he is and how uh, he can kind of manipulate situations to make them work out for him. Um, I, yeah, I just, I, I think it shines a light on his uh, strategic abilities there. Ray, what'd you think? Yeah. I mean, like I said, this is the funny part. So when the Thrawn novels came out, I didn't read any of them. I would see them, you know, like when you're at Walmart and you're going through the aisles and you would see the, the novels yeah. come out. I would see them, but I was like, oh, it's not my, what I'm used to Star Wars wise. Um, don't get me wrong. I did read, like, if it had a cool cover, like the Boba Fett bloodlines and the, you know, the Luke Skywalker. And when it had that type of tie in, okay, I would buy it and read it. This didn't attract me in the novel form. But of course, seeing him in, you know, Star Wars Rebels, but then, me reading this comic for the first time, it made me like it opened my mind to a different things. Like, okay, how does he know Anakin? You know, there's more behind him that we're not getting in this first issue. So I feel like we're gonna get more information as we read these comics. But it got me intrigued. It kind of okay for me. This is just my opinion. I took it with the long hair, the colored eyes. He kind of reminded me of a Native American. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, the way he was the kind of the clothes he was wearing kind of, you know, that yeah. would the Indians would wear Tribal. and stuff. Yeah, exactly. And mm-hmm. that's what I, I took when I saw that and I was reading it and I was like, man, this is intriguing. Cause you know, he, I'm not saying he's cocky. He's kind of cocky to an extent, but it's like, he has no fear. Like he's not afraid. Like if me and you were to do something drastic, we would, we would literally think twice before we actually follow through with what we're going to do. Like he literally, you can see like, there's no flinching. No, in the comic, there's no flinching. He just literally goes, but like I said, we don't know what's in his, what he's thinking in his head as he's doing these things. But it, it, it this book, this novel, just our novel, the comic really got me interested and in, I'm looking forward to reading the other ones. I wanted to continue reading, but I knew if I read it all, and as we're covering them weekly, I would forget what I read. So I was like, I'm just going to wait and read it every week ahead of time as we get closer to it. So it stays fresh in my head of what, what I read. Yeah. And that, that's what I like about it. I mean, it's, it's a good book. Yeah, I like the introduction overall. I like the mystery of it. And there's, of course, it's Star Wars. So there's other connective parts. And we've heard some of these names before, like Eli Vanto. And of course, him meeting Palpatine uh, right away and alluding to Anakin, um, I think that's that's a lot of foreshadowing for the future. Yeah. And of course, I, I think it's kind of ubiquitous now that we know that Thrawn, if you watched Rebels, has interacted with with certain characters, and you kind of know the the overall story. Um, we just don't know what happens after Ahsoka now in the uh, canon timeline. So I think that's that's the only thing that we're missing. But overall, if you're interested in more Thrawn stuff, of course, watch Rebels. I believe season three is when he comes in. And yeah. of course, he stays in till the very bitter end. Um, and he's a big character. Lars Mikkelsen voices him and uh, plays a live action role as well in Ahsoka, as we all know. So 
yeah, that's uh, that's pretty much it for the Thrawn coverage on that comic book. And like we've been saying, uh, Ray and I, and of course Zach too, we want to keep on covering these comic books and and let us know what you think. Uh, let us know if you want us to do it differently, or uh, also let us know uh, what books you want to want us to cover in the future. I think we're gonna go pretty deep into Thrawn because uh, I think people are interested right now, um, but. I know uh, Ray has mentioned uh, a Mandalorian run, and there's an Obi-Wan run as well. And I think yeah, you might have some of the comics right there, Ray. Yeah, and then there's also High Republic that just came out. This is, mm-hmm. uh, vol- well, it's going to be Volume 3, issue number one that came out this past week. Um, but there, Volume 1 and Volume 2 graphic novel are available for pre-order. So if you want to get into those before reading number one, you can do that. So I've got Season 2 Mandalorian. You know, thanks to Dragon Layers for the first. Uh, these are the first four issues. Number five's coming out, and if you're if you like art, um, they do variant covers. And there was one I just saw that for issue number five, it's an Ahsoka variant that looks beautiful. I, I got to go back and look who the artist was. And then, of course, we got the Max Rebo one shot that we're gonna <laughs> go over. And then this is gonna be for Countdown City Geekcast, which is. Uh, I'm a big Transformers fan. Um, so this is a reboot um, by Skybound and I uh, to basically um, Robert Kirkman got the rights for G.I. Joe Transformers and he's rebooting it. He grew up with it as a kid. So, so far what I've been reading in the first couple of issues, I mean, the first couple of pages, the arc work, the arc was phenomenal. Um, it's interesting. It's a different spin, but it does. I do like it. And, you know, as a, you know, as fans, we're very picky. If it doesn't, if it doesn't fall for what we like, we'll tend just to blow it off. But I want to see what other issues are going to be planned. But yeah, a lot more cool stuff to come. I mean, I think I posted on my TikTok, um, Retro Ray 210. Um, there was two issues that there was three issues that came out this past Wednesday. Um, one of them was a issue that had Honda on the cover. So I'm going to try to go back and pick that one up to see. Now, mind you, sometimes what's on the cover is not always what's inside the pages because <laughs> they <laughs> like do this? variant. <laughs> There's yeah. No dark in there. <laughs> yeah. So they kind of they tease you with the variant, the cover, and then the inside is different. But right. that's the best part about it because you don't know what you're getting until you get it and you start reading it. Right. Um, but yeah, man, it. We're going to have some more cool stuff. Like I said, there's a lot of stuff to read. So, like I said, we're going to start off with Thrawn. You know, I did pick up an issue of High Republic. Number one, I had to pre-order it because they were sold out by the time I got to the comic book store. So, I'm picking up that issue, number one, so that I have it and I start currently picking those up. And then I'm going to pick up volume one and volume two to read those. Because as you know, those are probably tie in to the back time, back prequels or whatever that we're going to get in the live action. Yeah, definitely right before Acolyte comes out. I think a couple months maybe before we're going to start covering High Republic stuff. Yeah, uh, pretty heavily, so we can get everyone in the right, um, right space there uh, to yeah. talk about that era of Star Wars. But yeah, definitely thanks to to Dragon's Lair. Um, they provided yeah. comics for us. And like we said, we're going to review as much as we can. And, uh, and that's pretty much it for Thrawn. 
Uh, is there anything else you guys wanted to cover before we uh, end today's podcast? Um, no, man. That's pretty much it. Like I said, just stay tuned. Tomorrow's Comic Book Wednesday. Um, I will be going to Dragon's Lair at Alamo Ranch. So I will be posting up, you know, what's on the new the new shelf for the comic books. So Wednesday is when stuff drops at comic book shops. Yes. So okay. there's comics that are bi-weekly. There's some that are monthly. Okay. So every, depending what arc you're reading, if you're doing DC or doing Marvel, you know, some are every week and some are every two weeks. So it just depending on what you read. There's a lot of independent comics that are out there that, are, you know, of course, we've seen picked up and put into live action series. So, you know, with we got the break for Star Wars, go pick up some Star Wars comics. Keep yeah. yourself busy while we wait for, you know, if we're going to get another Ahsoka or the Mandalorian movie or. Yeah. Skeleton Crew is up next, but it's going to be a few months. Yeah. Uh, probably happening early next year. So, yeah, you got time, definitely. And um, so, yeah, for Retro Ray, Zach, my name is David. May the force be with you. Always.